So you're meeting people with your full cup. Yeah. As opposed to that like quarter empty where you have to suck from them. Right? Absolutely. And so that's that vampiric energy and that, and and most people don't know they're operating as vampires. And what's, what is sustainable, right? Like we talk about that with the earth, but it all circles back to the inner earth. What is sustainable in me? I'm only going to be a sustainable system if I'm taking care of myself through the food, through the sunlight, through the water, through the sleep, through the movement practices. If I have covered all those bases, then I can start to think outside of myself. Then I can start to work in ways that actually change what's around me. This is the day. This is the time. This is our breath. This is our life. I got my soul brother, Kyle Kingsbury, in the house, fresh from Texas, just arrived in Cali. It's so great to have you on Wake the Fake Up. What's up, man? How are you? I'm fantastic, brother. Face to face. Let's do it. I know. This is so cool. We did a podcast on your podcast, the Kyle Kingsbury podcast, probably about four or five months ago, maybe a little bit longer than that. And I'm still every day getting people sending me snapshots of it saying, oh my God, this was so good. And one of the main takeaways that I see, I'm noticing everyone taking from that was just kind of our connection on there. You know, it just showed like the mutual respect, the brotherhood. And that was the first time you and I had actually ever really spoken together. And that was all done virtually. So to have you in the flesh, in the material, and to vibe with you just in the past three, four hours has been really good. And it's always it's always bringing things back home when you connect with Soul Tribe. So again, thank you for being here. This is Wake the Fake Up. I've had some of my athletes on here. Novak Djokovic was number one. He just won the Australian Open. Hell yeah. He just broke the record all time, leading number one, 311 weeks in a row, number one ranked. Damn. I had Nyjah Houston on here, number one skateboarder in the world. I have some really epic people. And to have you on here right now just kind of like balances that whole thing and if you don't know who Kyle is, Kyle's a berserker from Northern California. He looks like a Goliath, but he's soft as a gentle, gentle soul. I mean, it's just amazing the the um, dichotomy of like your presence, your energy. But but I, I'd have to say beyond the looks, because your looks is soft to me too. You don't look like a scary, crazy guy that can pull someone's arms off. You know, but this is something that you did growing up. This is something that you you went into. So tell tell me a little bit about your background, so everyone has kind of an idea. And then from there, we're going to go talk about the good stuff. Yeah, I mean, I I started in football at ten. I had fought growing up since I was six, probably. You know, the Bay Area was not the roughest neighborhoods where I lived, but certainly shit still happened. Yeah, and um, ran from ran most of the time, but but there was quite a few times where I could not run the guy and just turn and went for it. And uh, so that was always in me. Played football from 10, finished at Arizona State, um, set the bench at ASU, you know, and really left a sour taste in my mouth. I wanted to continue in some form of sport and just to learn and have camaraderie, you know, with people. And so I started training mixed martial arts. That led quickly to the guy who owned the gym having a small promotion out in Arizona, raging the cage, saying, just, dude, you're big, you're handsome, get in there for me. Yeah. If you don't like it, you never have to do it again. If you like it, you keep going, see how far you can go. One of my first two fights in under thirty seconds and was hooked. Oh wow! And it was like, all right, now we now we gotta now we gotta actually learn this. And um, yeah, because you started with what brute force, power, athleticism, athleticism, you know, really, yeah. yeah. Coming coming with the athleticism from what I learned at ASU, and we had, you know, two of the best strength coaches in the world, uh, Joe Ken, Big House, only coach to win uh, strength coach of the year in NCAA Division One and the NFL with the Carolina Panthers when wow. I went to the Super Bowl. Just a fantastic guy. I mean, they made me, um, they gave me so much more than athleticism too. You know, they pushed me past every glass ceiling. Okay. I realized that shit didn't exist. So I carried that with me in fighting 
And um, fighting was so great for me because it it came in the wake of really deep depression. You know, like I didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up. I had a lot of unseated shit that I hadn't really solved. And um, I ended up attempting suicide in between football and fighting. So fighting was a way for me to kind of pick up the pieces and get very grounded back into my body and learn how to take care of myself, to not be on the roller coaster of, you know, all the bad drugs. And we'll, we can, we're going to dive into those. You know, sure. my rule of thumb is a, a good drug will leave you more whole than when you started. Right. There's no side effect from it. There's no feeling like shit the next day. But um, that for me was, uh, was, was really like the first true low point in life. Attempted suicide, got clean in a, in a hospital, came out and um, really just started to say like, what do I want to do now with nothing in my way? And that started with training and then it started with a couple quick wins. And um, martial arts was the impetus for me to want to not only take care of myself, but learn like to to relearn to, to to light the fire for my education and all things that mattered to me. Like, how do I think, feel, and operate in the world? And we both know how much the body ties into the mental, emotional aspects and the spiritual aspects of life. And so it gave me that gift back, wow. you know, where I could now take care of myself and had a, a reason to do so, a reason to sleep better, a reason to at least forego alcohol until after the fight. Was this dynamic? Uh, perspective and approach towards fighting and its overall theme to your overall perspective of life in terms of studying and research and getting into the spiritual aspects. Was that there from the jump start, or did that develop as you were fighting? Yeah, it developed as I was fighting. I had, um, I was 7-0. and I took my first loss in King of the Cage and then decided to get serious and move back to the Bay Area where American Kickboxing Academy is. And Cain Velasquez, who had wrestled at ASU, was heavyweight there and, and uh, Coach House told me, he's like, dude, quit fucking around. Go back to go back to Cali. Go home. Train with Kane. He's the best. You're gonna be the best. You gotta go with Kane. What was your style? What 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 Muay Thai is what I really gravitated towards initially. Okay. okay. Um got a high school best wrestling background, you know, yeah. and then over time really fell in love with jujitsu, but not really. I didn't get my black belt in jujitsu until after retiring from the UFC. Okay, wow. But I had a boxing coach there who was Native American and had some Mayan ancestry and Mexican guy named Huitzi Mata, who's who passed away a couple years ago. And he would take us out to the uh, Native American reservation for traditional sweat lodges, the Temas Calls, and then go. eventually working with psilocybin and then ayahuasca. Wow. And so that just opened up my whole world, you know. And, and over time, there was, you know, the learning of mobility with Kelly Surrett and anything, you know, the, the Iceman, Wim Hof, all these things that that really they really work, you know, yeah. it's like beyond biohacking. It's like, just like the nuts, the, the nature the of the human body and yeah, our absolutely. connection. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, and so that, that, those things came in layers, the final piece being the plant medicines, but, um, the thirst to learn and the want to learn had the impetus of like, I'm going to get hit in the head and I could get knocked out and I could get badly hurt if I don't know more than this guy. So I, uh, and that thankfully that passion has continued, you know, long after fighting, it's just the whole world has opened up. Absolutely. So you had that exposure around that time of fighting in terms of entheogenic compounds. And were you in this cathartic state during your first plant ceremonies and, you know, your mushroom trips and stuff like that? Like, wait a second, all of this thing, all everything that I thought was to be true, who I am, my purpose, why I'm here, what all of that, did that kind of unravel? And then all of a sudden pathways opened up and then you just expanded into who you are today? It did in bits and pieces, you know, like layers of the onion get peeled off. Yeah. And um, I had some really, you know, powerful medicine experiences with psilocybin, but it wasn't until I started working with ayahuasca where I got like really deep 
into the nature of consciousness, um, visceral understandings and remembering of reincarnation, like all sorts of shit, like deep questions, you know, yeah. stuff that wasn't on my radar was being answered, you know, in a, in a rapid pace. And um, from there, the experiences with ayahuasca, that really quieted the importance of fighting. You know, and when you're doing that, it's it's a everyone you're around has to be on board for you. It is selfish in a way, just like all all great athletes have to have that. Like this is there's one goal in mind, and everyone on the squad's got to be about that goal. I've been around you know? that. You know, I'm yeah. being around the head of nutrition of a couple of world number one athletes. I deal with their team. You know, the entire team. I'm I'm somewhat part of it, but I'm outside, obscure. I'm kind of like a hired gun. And I see that every single person in that organization, it's all geared for that one individual to win. And they all have a role to play. There's so much to it. Yeah, there is a selfishness, but they they, they have a one, they, they all have the sim, same goal, right? Mm -hmm. To that point, if fighting isn't the most important thing in your life, you have no business being in the cage. Well, you so. know, so when that started to become the case, um, I had torn my right labrum and uh, had taken some time off to heal that. And then I, I was learning all these things and I was actually finding stillness and peace from the medicine for the first time in my life where there was no real driving force saying like, this is why you have to lift weights or this is why you need to run or this is why you need to do anything. It was just like, a, oh, I have gratitude and appreciation for what is in my life. And I still have a trajectory and I still have goals, but you know, the, the, there was peace for the first time. Yeah, you could breathe. Yeah, yeah. 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 And with that peace, Oddly enough, I wanted to take that back into the cage because I had never mastered the mental aspects of it. I mean, I, I up until the UFC, I had, you know, like the, the Mike Tyson feel. Like, I'm going to fucking walk through whoever is right in front of me and destroy them. Yeah. And then in so the it was, UFC- So it was one-dimensional, I'm going right through my opponent. Yeah. Okay. And then on the, you know, I, once I got in the UFC, though, it was just like this panic of- I'm finding the best guys in the world, you know, and every rabbit hole of thought around, well, he's so much better than me at this. And, you know, all that shit would play. And sometimes I could quiet my mind and it would pan out. I've had a couple of fights that I was in pure flow, you know, fight of the nights, another quick knockout in the UFC and, and then other fights. What year is where, this? Are we talking about? I mean, 2008 to 2014. Okay. Wow. So yeah. six years going strong in that sport. Yeah. Which is the most competitive sport in the world, in my opinion. Yeah. Because it's one-on-one. -on -one. And it's, and it's pushing you in all directions. All directions, emotions, yeah. physically, emo all of it. Okay, so you're, you're, you've already dived into the entheogenic space and you're fighting. So you're exposing your traumas. You're releasing probably tons and tons of weight off your back and shoulders. You're starting to expand internally. You're seeing a whole different side of what this life is. And you're supposed to go back into that octagon and lay someone out. That's, yeah. a, that's a trip. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I had one one last fight in 2014 against Pat Cummins, and it was in San Jose, my hometown, at the Shark Tank. And in the locker room, I'm warming up, and it just felt like I had no pop. And mm. I was like, "Oh, this isn't this isn't a good feeling heading into what could be my last fight." And I always had told myself, if I drop below 500, I'm out at any level. If that happened at Rage in the Cage, I'd have retired. If it happened at King of the Cage, I would have retired. If it happened in the UFC, I'll retire. If I drop below 500, in that. Um, organization because the fact that it's not baseball you know like this yeah. is going to take a toll on me long term yeah. if i stay in this too long and i've seen it you know unfortunately people that i've been around that are only a couple years older than me I, I started to watch them slip so i really held strongly to that that idea that if i ever drop below you know 500 i'm out and i entered into that last fight four and four 
Okay. So I had lost my first fight in the UFC. I won four in a row with two fight of the nights and a 30-second knockout. And then I had a slump where I was had lost three in a row. So going in this last fight, um, that was it. You know, I lost that fight. I got my ass kicked. So wow. It was, it was peaks and valleys. Wow. You know? I got my ass kicked and it was it was no question. Um so was, was that was that confirmation for you? And to walk away, what kind of surrender, what kind of ego death did you need to have? Or because the loss was so tremendous, did that help? Maybe. Yeah. yeah no. Yeah, no, yeah. no doubt. No doubt. Okay. It's funny. You know, like I, I don't expect less from you, but most people, when I talk about that, don't bring that up. That was the case, and I've talked to you know people in the game, like Daniel Cormier, who was my longtime coach and sparring partner. If it was a close fight. I might still be fighting right now, you know, because yeah. they'd be like, well, if it just had done this a little differently, that kind of thing. Like but a tweak it, here and there. Because it yeah. was dominant, you know, because it was like not even close, I knew it was time to go. Do you believe that happened for a reason? Absolutely. Okay. You know, when I went to retire, you talk about surrender. I didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up. I didn't have the slightest idea. I had, I had a second job working at a strip club, bouncing and bartending the entire time I was in the UFC. Lived in my mom's detached garage in NorCal. That's how little... The, uh, the money was coming in from the UFC. And um, so knowing I only had that. Like, so it's a warrior's journey on yeah. all levels. It's like, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to set this down yeah. and trust that if I keep, uh, you know, that's what the medicine showed me. Like, you just keep learning what you're learning. Keep keep following your intuition towards the things that you're tracking. And that will pan out. It doesn't matter if you don't see it yet. Yeah. And sure enough, that's the case. So what happened next? About a year after that, I went on Joe Rogan's the first time, and you know we had a great conversation. We talked ketogenic diets and things like that, which I'm I'm not a, a huge fan of any form of dieting for too long. Yeah. But but within it's a tool, a tool, yeah. right? And that tool really turned my brain back on. You know, I, I did have some damage, uh, had trouble remembering things from books, things like that. Uh, language recall, obviously, super important if you're going to podcast. Hundred percent. So you stabilized your blood sugar. You got more healthy fats into your brain. You stopped the oscillation of insulin response and you're able to ground, you know, probably a lot more. And all of a sudden there was some healing. Yeah. Big okay. time. Big okay. time. Fantastic. Started playing with intermittent fasting, longer fasts, did a couple five day water fasts. And in through all that uh, was really, I was like, do I go back to school now? Like, this is like such a weird feeling. Like, I feel like everything I read, I can, I can assimilate it very well. I can remember it very well. And, um, that just that just kept going, you know. And Joe told me like, "Hey, man, you should start a podcast." And I'm like, "Yeah, you tell everyone that." And he's like, "I'm serious. You got to start a podcast." And I waited probably another year, year and a half, and then finally started one. And that led me to on it. There's a cool story behind that. But took over their podcast, and then uh, in transitioning from on it, Aubrey gave me the podcast as the Cal Kingsbury podcast. Oh, fantastic! Yeah, and then everything started. And then yeah. through the podcast your internal quest or outer quest as well of knowledge and experience expanded through getting to know people and hearing their backstories. The coolest people on the fucking earth. Yeah, right? that's the Absolutely. best ever. That's how I met you. That's yeah. how I met Paul Check. Yeah. You know, like we had, that's one of my all-time heroes. That's how I've met many awesome, innovative thinkers, people that think outside the box where, you know, as you know, podcasting, you get the first-hand experience of them, a Absolutely. real connection, especially when it's face-to-face. -face. Yeah. I get to glean that. And when you're hosting, as you are right now, you get to ask everything you want to know. Like, I, that was one thing I, that 
helped me out in podcasting was I stopped asking questions I think the listeners wanted to know, and I just asked what was on my mind. Absolutely. Like, what do I want to know from this person right now? Yeah. And as it turns out, a lot of listeners want to know that, you know, but I get to learn that first. And um, from there, we share that with the world. So that's been, that's been a, a huge thing, and that's also, also funneled into other things that are going on. So, But that continued education um, wouldn't happen without fighting. Yeah. So you've built your life in Austin, Texas right now. You were just there for the snowstorm, the snow blizzard, cooling everything off. We talked about it earlier. He was telling me how it was uh, actually a cozy experience and everybody was kind of cuddle puddling and enjoying that time together. Very interesting that that happened. So you're at On It. You're opening up your podcast. You're in ceremonies probably every other week. And then you start building a relationship, right? You have a wife that you've had for what seven, six, seven years? Yeah, nine now. Nine yeah, she, now. She lived with me in my mom's garage. You know, when you talk about her as a ride or die chick, uh, that is completely apropos. I don't know, and even if amongst her friends, they're like, "You know, this woman really loves you, right?" And wow. I'm like, yeah, I know that. Like, yeah, she yeah. lived in my mom's garage with me for years. <laughs> we had Bear at Stanford Hospital. And picked him up. You know, we got our we got our car and drove him back to my mom's garage. There's your six year old, where he yeah. grew up for yeah. a year and a half before we got our own place finally out in Vegas. Wow! So for a year and a half, we were in a studio with a newborn. I mean, that's tough. That's, that's right that's, or die. Yeah, that's she's, right. Or she's die. been there. She's been game on from the jump. And is she involved with everything that you're doing? Um, do you guys kind of have that kind of flow? Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. You know, she's constantly hunting searching um she's inquisitive in the right way she thinks she's we balance each other perfectly you know and even on the energetics she's a projector i'm a generator you know like there's a lot of things that that correlate perfectly and uh you know she's been there with me through the vast majority of ceremonies as well so we've had the ability to grow together in those experiences which i think is huge yeah you know, especially so when you talk about this space so you're talking about integrating those moments those plant medicines those entheogenic compounds with your lover right your best friend what's a better way to integrate and to relay than you know doing it off your your main mirror right yeah. that's holding your heart and actually knows you right and so I think that's a good segue going into, you know, plant medicines, something that I've been wanting to talk about. I'm always interviewed about plant medicines. I've done probably 15 to 20 interviews. People asking me about psychedelics, my experience with them, the pharmacology of them. How do we approach it? When is the right time? There's so many different angles here. And for me, looking at the current landscape today, this is what? 2021 on the Gregorian calendar, whatever that means, you know, time is, you know, nonlinear, you know, we had that psychedelic Renaissance in the sixties, you know, Timothy O'Leary, Ram Dass, all them that got snuffed out, right? Government jumped in, CIA jumped in, said, Nope, we can't have all these hippies, you know, bl blissed out, reconnecting, discovering that we are one. We need to continue the imperialism to bring on full Babylon. Right. And then now, you know, you had the Steve Jobs era, you know, he started like, okay, what's going on with our mind? What's going on with our connection to heart, our source? What are these things? And then, you know, we got past the 80s and the 90s, which was chaos on earth on all levels. I mean, we had the 
cocaine riots and the alcohol consumptions, which are all raising your ego, right? Crack being seeded <sighs> through black communities by the CIA. By the CIA, yeah. Yep. Just, just the, like dark, dark, deep-seated shit that was basically poison and casting spells on the spirit of humankind. You know, we went through that. And that's probably the most damage that our, in this epoch, that our Mother Earth has endured. Right, because you had all, every corporation running around like a chicken with its head cut off, just mowing everything down for consumerism, and so now we've 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 gotten to a heightened state where it's like, wait a second, what the fuck's going on? What is this? How 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 did we operate with this? Come, hence, here comes the indigenous medicine, right? And it's made it out into the urban areas. It's made it out into the circles, the jungles. People have been going down doing ayahuasca ceremonies, peyote, plant medicines, you know, all the different, all different kinds. There's a whole variety. And where do you think we are right now in terms of understanding these medicines and using them responsibly? And you can speak to your own accord from your own experience and what you see through your network. You know, for me to just quickly jump in, jump in on that is I, I, I these are definitely our teachers. For me, the ultimate reverence is necessary in order to truly incorporate and use and utilize these medicines for something that creates inertia as opposed to just a high or a thrill or a quick cosmic Christ experience where I am the savior. You know, that we, we need substantial growth with this. That's the only way this is going to last and work. What's your perspective on that? Yeah, I agree 100%. I think, I think we're at a critical point where... We're, you know, a conversation now with Paul Check around the science and the push for that science is that if we take, you know, just the active ingredient, like cocaine is much different than coca leaf, right, from 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 Peru and, and Bolivia and, and Colombia. Um, when you take just one alkaloid or one terpene and you use that as the thing to study, you're missing out on the, the spirit of the entire plant, right? That's an issue. Guidance is an issue, right? And there's a lot of self-guided journey work that's being done. I've done several ceremonies by myself. Terrence McKenna talked about that. Kalindi, I, I think a lot of great work can be done there when you have the equivalency to unpack that and still have, you know, uh, a container that has elders within that, you know, like whoever those elders are that you can call upon when you're up shit Creek without a paddle, which I was fairly recently, right? Like without that, we're lost. And ultimately, it comes back to integration. And so many people throw that word around. It's just like white noise in the background now. Okay, how do I integrate? Integration is taking it from the astral and speaking it into existence through the logos. It's the, the mirroring word. exercise, the word. Yeah. And it's writing it down on paper and not the entire experience. I used to write everything as if it was a novel. Like, and then I had my second cup and it was less bitter than the first and I was able to hold it down. And there's all this shit. Long that I drawn got, narration yeah, fluff. Yeah, yeah, yeah like, yeah. like yeah. I was going to tell a, a story to yeah. somebody and it's like, no, I just need bullet points because I can act on the bullet points. Yeah. And if there's something worthwhile around the bullet point, I'll remember it. But getting that down and then action steps. You know, we talked about that in the car, like chop wood, carry water. One of my favorite stories from Paul Selig is the parable of the big dude. Looks like one of us driving his truck and he's asking God, why am I here? Why am I here? Why am I here? And he comes up to this uh, tree that fell over in the middle of the road and he stops his truck. He gets out, he picks the tree up and moves it to the side of the road, gets back in his truck and drives on. Why am I here? Why am I here? Why am I here? Not realizing that by moving that tree, every car behind him got to flow freely. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's what is presented to you. Yeah. And it's just that. It yeah. doesn't need to be more than that. Yeah. You know, and that too can be the lens at which we look through life. 
to not be fried by everything we see in the external. Right. Because shit's hitting the fan. Right. right? So right. like if I can just work back to paying attention to what's right in front of me and working on that in the best way that I can show up, that also so it's, so it's all leading back. Else. It's all leading back to the same place, right? So you're not creating blockages, and you're letting it all kind of just flow, right? Mm-hmm. So you're part of that river as opposed to stagnating it. Yeah, I, I, that's what I get from that when yeah. I feel into that. Yeah, you're being you're being in the flow of and you're part of it. What is presented to you? Yeah, you know, taking it as it comes, and there doesn't need to be a giant riddle to solve. There's a piece for everyone on the planet to do their work right now. And part of that piece too, getting back to where we're at at this pivot point is who will step into the role of elder? Who are the people that have been doing the work that have come across? What Kalindi said was, was brilliant when he was talking about high dose mushroom experiences was all of these medicines are perfect for healing. And some of them are great, great teachers. All of them can be used for healing. MDMA can be used for healing. Ketamine can be used for healing. Not even plants, synthetics. Once you've come to a place where you've done quite a bit of healing, then it can become about exploration. Then it can become about um, really diving into what we want to create right now as co-creators, you know, and using those tools differently. Right. Right. But we don't get to that point without the proper container for the healing to take place, for the integration to take place. And I think there is... And that's having reverence for the medicine, absolutely, right? Absolutely, brother. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. There is a need for that. And yep. the reason I say that is because, as you know, there's a lot of blue belts and purple belts serving medicine stateside sure. and all over. Yep. And I, I've had brilliant experiences with blue belts and purple belts. Not everyone does. Yeah. You know, not everyone does. Not everyone has a great experience on a solo journey or a self-guided journey with a couple of friends. We're like, no one's really at the helm, you know? Like we sure. should we should think about that. Jim Fadiman talked about that in the Psychedelic Explorer's Guide. Yeah. At least having a sitter who's done that medicine before to be in your presence. So someone's steering the ship. There's a grounding cord. Right. You know, those, those can be really powerful in, in those experiences. They, they know where you're at. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they've been there. It's pinged inside of them. There's something to that where you can oscillate uh, a home base with another frequency or another brother or another sister who's watching, who's experiencing, and who's holding that container. That's really important for a lot of people. I get, I, I'm probably asked maybe 10, 15 times a day, Sherry, what what do I do? Should I go do ayahuasca? Um, they're doing a ceremony here up in Topanga. Should I do this? Should I do that? It's hard for me to answer this, especially with people I don't know. It's a lot of responsibility because I'm I'll be attached to their karma, right? Mm-hmm. And these are this these are forms of karma. Any of these interwoven connections that lead up to anything is a form of karma. Some of them have a higher, you know, higher bandwidth or um, you know more of an energy drive especially when it's revolved around medicines and stuff like this. So if you're listening to this, I think, you know, the best thing you do is start doing some research, you know, take your time, have the discipline, learn. And if you're trying to escape something, if you're trying to escape fear, pain, frustration, anything like that, probably medicine, you know, these plant medicines is not the route you want to go immediately. You know, I would always say, take time and start doing some introspective work, you know, maybe start, stop, break, maybe start breaking some patterns, you know, maybe some of the, the people in your world are not serving you. Maybe you're not serving the people in your world. Maybe you need to drink cleaner water. Maybe you need to detox a little bit. Maybe you need to get on the beach, you know, things like this. Then once you start creating momentum and those things start happening, you start feeling better and all of, and, and you're gaining more perspective on self, then maybe we can start going into those layers. And it's around that time that your due diligence and research will give you the tools to make a decision based on discernment and not based on fear and, and stress and linear time. I've been in this space 
uh, since I was a little kid, so to speak, but I've really stepped into it in the last 10, 12 years. And I've um, been involved with some major, major experiences. And for me, the most important aspect is to let is to make sure the person involved that you're you're holding space for is aware of their choices, right? Is that they've taken ownership of that because there is this thing where we want to give it off to someone else because then that way we can just we can just lean on them mm-hmm. and it's not in our responsibility anymore. And I think that's a big pro- problem of our world today is that we've given our power away, you know. And I think you see it all too often, I mean, because you're holding such light and such composure that those polarities will start to stick out, especially during this pandemic or whatever this whole thing is. And so let, let, let me shift it up a little bit. So we were talking a little bit about relationships and uh, you know, different ways of approaching relationships and how, you know, what is expected of us as a man, what's expected of as a woman, what the general relationship system looks like. Do you think we're caught up in some type of Maya when it comes to modern day relationships and the whole diamond ring, white picket fence and all that kind of stuff? Do you think that puts too much stress and to have the state have to sponsor the relationship and give you credits by being in a relationship? There's something backwards here, don't you think? Yeah, there's a lot that's backwards, you know, and there's a lot that, (sighs) you know, for, for those that don't know who I am, we, my wife and I had started an open relationship a few years back after seven years of being together, seven years of living together. Wow. You know, and, and there was, there were many reasons for that. Um, novelty seeking one of them. Uh, but really, you know, what does that mean to you? Novelty? Cause most people will not understand what that means. Seeking something new, okay. right? Like, yep. he, like, uh, you know, Mark Bell jokingly said, like nobody would want to eat pizza every day for the rest of their life. Even if pizza is your favorite food, yep. yet we automatically take our favorite food and we have that for the rest of our life sexually. I've heard Chexter right? say that. Yeah. Chexter. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, and there's, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of truth to that. You know, that said, when you read something like, is that a human condition thing? I'm sorry to keep interrupting, but I want to yeah. get into detail on what you're saying. Is it, do you think that's a human condition? I think it is. I think it's part and parcel of the ego's desire for change or to point out what's wrong, like to look at something and to say like, mm, I loved my house when I moved into it, but I don't like this room anymore. It needs to get changed up or, yep. you know, this art doesn't quite fit anymore or that chair needs to get moved over here. Like we, we just... We're just looking to switch it up, you know, our yeah. environment, everything about that. Uh, whether that means you do, you know, open your relationship or not is a whole different animal. Right. You know, and that's that's something we were talking about with building that bridge. And I want to dive into that. But I don't speak about this prescriptively. I don't speak about anything. Plant medicine is non-prescriptive. Like this is the thing that I chose to do. And it's helped me out uh, in ways that are uh, I could never have imagined prior to doing them. Right. right, I could never have understood that on a visceral level, and and because I have grounded those experiences, has changed my life. The medicine doesn't change your life, but I have changed my life because of my medicine experiences, mm. because of what I've seen. Right. Yeah. Um, and part of those medicine experiences were pushing us towards opening the relationship for our own growth, and so we could show up better as parents. You know, and that I don't take lightly. A lot of people say, "What about the kids? What about the kids?" You know, that kind of thing, and and. Uh, if they're not in a nuclear family, what does that look like? And it's like, well, what, what is a nuclear family? You know, like that there, the disconnect from how we were as a tribe is vast, but that's one of those things, 
you know, I remember growing up laughing at Asian culture for having three generations in their home. And I'm like, oh, that that's actually not far out. It's a lot better than just four fucking people in the house. Yeah. You know, it's way better. It's yeah. absolutely better. You know, I think it was the, um, not the Hopi. There was a Native American tribe who talked about the parents were too close to the kids. So parents would still go out and work each day. Mom would go out and, and do her thing. Dad would go do his thing. The grandparents would raise the kids. And then when they came back, they could all circle up after the kids were taught by the grandparents because the parents' teaching was too close. Interesting. Right? So yeah, yeah. you needed a level of differentiation there. Right. right? The importance that kept of the, the traditions. Yeah. The, right? The, that gap. Mm-hmm. That's and fascinating. The, and the importance of the of the auntie and the uncle. You know, in like a Polynesian culture, everyone's auntie, everyone's uncle. Yeah. In different cultures, there's there's no mama is the name for every woman that's of the age to be a mother. Right. She just comes in and, and can be a mama to they've likely breastfed from multiple women already. Yeah. You know, so there's things like that that that's ultimately what we're disconnecting from right now. Yeah. So nuclear family is just an idea. And it's a fairly recent idea. You know, us doing it by ourselves. We live in Texas now and for the last three years, three and a half years, we have no family there. You know, so our impetus, one of the driving forces, in addition to novelty and pleasure and things like that, was to create tribe, to create a, a bond with someone outside of our family that can come in and become family with us. Right. You know, and-, and To ease the load, to create diversity, yeah. to bring more energy, to have a dynamic system. Wow. Shocking, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and that came with every pitfall imaginable. <laughs> I'm sure. Every hard bump in the road, uh, every lesson, and all of those- you know, bittersweet lessons were just that. They were extremely hard challenges that ultimately helped us see each other better, more clearly, and connect to each other in ways that we had not before. Yeah. You know, it, it helped me reimagine and see all the beauty and wonder that is Natasha, you know, like the person that I married, the person that I absolutely love and adore, to new heights that so, I- So this you know, is interesting. So what, what you're saying here is that by opening up the dynamic, I wouldn't call it polyamory, or or this, but it, just that was our idea. One that point, was your more idea. Than one love, and then that quickly got to a mm, this is tri trickier than it is on paper, you know. Right to keep it consistently and yeah. keep it locked in, but it enhanced. It, it did it refreshing you and Tosh on every level, even physically. You yeah, know, like like having someone else's body allowed me to realize how amazing my wife's body is. And, yeah. and the fact that on a, on a, on a skill, you think of like a technical level in MMA, yeah. you know, like there's a skill set you have and, you know, you can get into flow with your training partners who you train with all the time. You can get into flow and have these beautiful experiences. Well, you have flow states with your person. Yeah. That's guaranteed. And then you try something new with somebody after you haven't for seven years and you're like, wow, that was awesome. That was brand new. That was so good. And it didn't have any flow at all. Right. And there was no real connection there in contrast. Even if there is a connection there and it's a friend or somebody you've known for a while, it's not the same. Yeah. You know, so it really highlighted her and our connection. But what if it's better? Well, that's that's the question that I had. <laughs> so here, the question you're asking. Because I'm sure that's the question, 10 the question, tries, you might knock one out of the park. The question you're asking is the question I would ask. Is he better? Is he bigger? Does he last longer? And then- 
he's funny. He dances better than me. He does like it was. The, it was like we, we talked about at your house. You know, the, on paper, guys have more of an issue with the physical. Is he bigger? Does he have a bigger dick? That kind of shit. Yeah. And on paper, women have more of an issue with the emotional. Do you love him, her? That yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, I yeah. felt all of that, man. All of that wow. for two years. You know, really, really had to work on that. And through many medicine journeys, many, many, a lot of times asking the same fucking questions and not getting the answer. At the core of that was a lack of my belief in myself. Mm. You know, we're going to do this painting seminar with Paul Check this weekend, yeah. on a mandala workshop. And the question he's proposed for the painting we're going to do to meditate on is, who am I? And when I think back to that, you know, what I've gleaned and learned from the trials and tribulations of open relationship, it's just that. If I understand who I am, made in God's image, fully, and recognize that viscerally, then what am I worried about? Right. Right? That's the no well, attachment yeah, zone, right? Yeah. How could I be jealous? Yeah. And and I would want to celebrate any differences if he's bigger, if he's better at any aspect of the game, because if if... She's going off and having shitty sex. What was the point in that to begin with? Yeah. You know, if the- If, if you her, truly love her. Yeah, if her experiences, yeah. right? If her experiences pale in comparison, then why are we doing it in the first place? Yeah. Wow. Are you hearing that, everybody? Time to look in the mirror. You know, you got me <laughs> thinking about things. And um, I think that's the beauty of having these conversations is, you know, it's not, I, I'm, I'm in it with you right now and I'm reflecting. You know, when we talked about this at my house earlier today, I had a lot of, you know, emotions coming up and I was thinking about certain things, certain of my primordial traditionary Persian way of thinking, you know, whether I was born and raised here as an American or not, I still feel a lot of my ancient old dominating man, I got to be the king and this and that. And at the same time, I also, you know, I'm attracted to other women and I, I have attractions and stuff like that. But it's interesting because we're talking about this on the way over here is that and, and i can just speak on my own uh personal perspective and you agreed with me not everyone can agree with this but for me it's more about the play and almost the hunt than it is about the actual experience and the fill right and as a man do you feel that we need that to stay young to stay fit to stay virile to stay in our ethos, our power, and all of those things that embody us as a man. And that could be conversely looked at, at a woman, but probably a little bit different. What are your thoughts? I think so. And I don't, and I don't necessarily mean you ever have to act on that. And again, this isn't, is not prescriptive. Uh, the, do you what know I'm what he means to... by it being not prescriptive? This is, this is Kyle's perspective based on his experiential knowledge. It's not I am Everyone your, needs to go out and Yeah, do this. you need to do this. <laughs> you have to do this. Everyone's living wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. It's just, just um, it's food for thought. Yeah. Yeah. Just in the opening of the door, prior to us engaging with other people, I felt a youth arise in me that I hadn't felt in years. You know, and it's not like we had been married for 20 years and I was dead inside. You know, we talked about Kevin Spacey and American Beauty. That was not the case. I'm not beaten off in the shower, crying myself to sleep, right. sleeping in different rooms. Like, none of that existed. But the idea that I could look at somebody and not have to worry, you know, like I'm not going to get slapped. I'm not going to get in trouble for looking at somebody and not sitting there drooling like, hey, honey, look at this one. You know, it's not like that. Um, but the idea that that somebody I'm looking at, I can actually entertain the idea 
of hunting. Of, so so of energetically, energetically, it's yeah. there. You're not in guilt. You're not in shame. And you're yeah. not feeling beat up. Yeah. Or right? like, I have to hide something. This is dishonest. Um, Which creates its own spiral of problems. Yeah, man. 100%. Yeah. And so that that hunt, though, there, there's a certain thing that came alive. And I realized, like, all this, you know, the men's work, all this kind of stuff, and the women's work, too. You know, women who run with wolves. There's an inner wild man and an inner wild woman in all of us. Absolutely. Right? And I had this conversation with Dr. Will Tegel where I was really talking about, you know, what I had learned from this experience and how hard it's been and how I no longer wish to have another girlfriend. It's just, I don't have the bandwidth for it, you know? And there's a whole piece from Jamie Wheel that I can circle back to if you remember the name Jamie Wheel. But um, what Will said is we each have the inner wild man and the inner wild woman. Not all of us realize that because man has been domesticated, right? And Don Miguel Ruiz talked about this, mm -hmm. mastery of love, four agreements. David Detta too. Yeah. Yep. And so Superior with, man. with that peace, if I can rekindle the fire of that inner wild person, I still have to bridge the gap, right? The archetype of the bridge that takes my uninhibited desire and want and, and that fire that sees all things and recognizes the beauty in all things and sees God in all things and connect that to the modern man. So I'm not a docile, you know, automaton walking to my fucking death job at a desk each day. Right. Right. How does that help me live differently in everything? Yeah. Right? So that bridge is a piece. It's a big piece. It's not to say that one side, of the, you know, both ends of the spectrum, likely we're not going to be able to live either one of those. But are we, you know, tiptoeing towards, towards that death by desk job and, uh, you know, starting to grow apart from our partners and not getting creative in the bedroom and no longer investing in each other? To where you know you got the u porn on at night and you're sleeping in a different room and is that is that what lies ahead or uh do you shift the other way where you say we're going to open it up and you know all bets are off once we're open you know and, and there's, there's this mentality around you know hey we agreed to this you know that kind of thing and i see that happening in open relationship and that's not right either yeah i will bring up uh jamie will's point jamie's got a new book coming out he was uh, the co-author of stealing fire Fantastic psychonaut, absolutely brilliant. Had him on the podcast recently. He's talking about his upcoming book, which is all on sex, magic, and tantra. And this guy's a genius. I'll, I'll, I'll hook you up with him. Please, he's phenomenal. Yeah. And uh, one of my favorite things, and you know, he's you know, he's got the the low hanging fruit, the middle entry point, and then the all in. Yeah. You know, he's okay. got those for, <laughs> okay. for for every part of the practices. You know, just just brilliant. We we go over like that all, the all in in the podcast and. Uh, one of the things he said, though, is in talking to all these different communities from people at Burning Man to the communities they have in Costa Rica, and uh, even with Dr. Will Tegel talked about with um, working with Dominer in Northern Italy. They have a thousand plus people in community living biodynamically farming, doing their own artwork, their own education, everything. They're self-sufficient 100%. The number one problem they all face is the relationship dynamics yeah. because of the fact that there are open rules not yeah. everyone participates some couples are monogamous some couples are polyamorous some people are just swing but that seems what, what to is be... the problem are we having a clashing are we having meltdowns of relationships are we having internal struggles what's happening i think we're we're, we're missing some key ingredients to make that work okay right and uh one of those things we talked you know chris ryan talked about this in sex at dawn is when that was done in the container of a tribal setting you know with dunbar's number capping it at 150 they had this, grew up with the same understanding of God, the same understanding of nature. They lived in harmony with nature. They had uh, a group of elders that had likely been through all the things that the younger people were going through, 
you know, with the exploration of other people. Sure. Um, and whether that was- They passed those tools on? Yeah, and they held yeah. each other through yeah. that. And they had rites of passage and they had all of the things that allowed people to operate within that with far less trauma. Right. Now, and so they were grown into that yeah. as children because they experienced and saw that. Yeah. yeah and, okay. and But more than the sexual practice, they were grown into a foundation that they could stand upon community. together, yeah. right? Within Com that community. Yeah. And even when a community like that is formed now, and we're talking about forming community like this in Texas, right, brother? Yeah. With that, we're going to take our own belief in God. We're going to take the way we were raised by our parents. We're going to take the broken home that we came from. We're going to take all these different things and we're going to amalgamate that. And if you're not all in on growth, if you're not all in on finding common ground, there will always be rifts. Yeah. You know, and that's that's a pretty common thing. And also honesty, you know, yeah. above anything, be impeccable with your words. So if one person is really just there for the novelty and the physical pleasure of it, so much so that they'll say whatever, I mean, fill in the blank for yeah, any yeah. any woman that's listening to this right now, yeah. like, yeah, you've you've been lied to before from dudes yeah. who want a piece and they'll say whatever they need to. Yeah. Like, yeah, I'm looking for a relationship. I'm looking for this. I want it to be long term. Yeah. I'm married, but she doesn't mean that much to me. Whatever, however that sounds. You know that that has been ongoing. So, yeah. and and Jack which is a slippery to, slide, and it's poisoning the well, time, big time, and it just causes destruction. It's a very destructive force that right there, especially when you're playing with someone like that. Check talked about this as well as a huge warning to me, which was hilarious because he was damn near yelling it to me as a cautionary sign. This is what this was when exactly? Uh, a couple years ago. So after them. so when you were staging into this, yeah, okay. And um, he said, "You're not just up against your own personal beliefs." you're up against the collective consciousness. It's the morphic resonance, the the Rupert Sheldrake yeah. of humanity right now mm -hmm. that's carrying thousands of years of male dominance, thousands of years of holding women at, at not equal standards, Yeah, right? And Czech's probably been getting bit by that, mm -hmm. right? Just He's already lived it as well yeah. as an elder, as yeah. a 59-year-old who's walked it. Yeah. He's walked the fire. Yeah. So his warning was not at a left field. It was because he lived it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love this subject. Um, I really think this is almost the core of, you know, being human, right? Because we have to procreate, right? In order for this race to keep going, humanity to keep going. And at the core of that is relationships and how we organize our minds and our ego to be embodied in those relationships and feel heard and to feel loved, but also to go upon our desires I always wonder where these desires come from. You know, is it what we were taught as kids? Is it pornography? Is it, you know, just searching for gratification? How much of the population is, you know, under some type of mind control because, you know, they're under so much stress and pain and trauma that the only thing that they can do is find gratification through sex. Or, or video games or or anything cannabis any of it shopping all, all yeah. of it TV. shopping eating food TV, all of it and so we have we have gaps in our system you know which is our thyroid and our ability to produce hormones and our ability to cope and then we're into you know slipping into sympathetic nervous system then we have a whole you know litany of chemicals that are released we're doing that every single day it's the same thing right we're, we're running in that so maybe at the core of this is our health. No doubt. Right? At, yeah, we were the, talking yeah. about that solutions going forward. Yeah. One of my favorite check quotes is sooner or later, your health will become your number one concern. Yeah, at, no matter what. 
no matter what. I don't care if your, you're worth a hundred billion dollars on your deathbed, yeah, or or right now, and that's up to you. Yeah, you know. But from that, that's the operational piece. You know, one of the one of the gifts of fighting, and actually taking care of myself was in an, a an rapid shift from where I was. You know, football football was awesome, but it didn't have the same requirements as fighting, right? Like even on an endurance level, a very practical like physicality level, fighting took everything from me, and I had to be perfect. Yeah, I had to be, not, not perfect in the fight. Because you can I be exposed, was. you can be yeah. exposed so much more, right? I, I had to be perfect in my sleep. I had to be perfect in going to bed on time. I had to be perfect in what I put in my body, food wise, because any little bit of inflammation, food wise, was going to fuck up me, you know, yeah. my body, my knee, whatever nagging injury Your mind. that's going to stick around. Yeah, yeah. So that allowed me to understand that that discipline, in that sense, is going to go miles for me, right? And that was a visceral shift from where I had been partying all the time, not worrying about playing on that. Wasn't going to see game time. Yeah. You know, like I remember we played in the Sumble championship. We, we were, we were in El Paso. A bunch of us went down to, to Juarez. It was cool then. And I grabbed a ton of Xanax and Vicodin and, and came back. You just back. went crazy. Yeah. And I was chewing them up, you know, the night before the game. I wasn't going to play in the game. Big deal. Fighting was different, right? So <laughs> fighting's a lot different. Now I had to take care of myself. That was a that was a huge jump for me because it happened so quickly. Thank God. Thank God. Yeah. And and with that, you know, I had a coach put how to eat, move and be healthy in my hands. Yeah. And I had a lot of doorways open that led me further to that. But all things circle back to this. Yeah. And you know, the body is our temple, and it affects so much more than aesthetics. Yeah. It is how we think. It is how we feel. It is how we operate. It is how we dream into this operating system we're absolutely in, it's the foundation right? yeah yeah whether you know this is all an illusion krishna said this is an illusion poof there's nothing there but i can see you and i can feel my body and we are having some type of human experience and we are in animated bodies and these bodies came with a root of you know basically a rule of instruction and it's basically you know fundamentals so are you approaching your lifestyle the way you eat through the fundamentals, is there anything that you're doing right now that's working for you? What what is your perspective on health in terms of how you treat your body? Yeah, it's uh, it's changed for me over time. You know, like uh, and even just it's like I'm not I'm not that old. I'm 39, but I got a lot of mileage on the vehicle. You know, from fighting in football and and certainly kids have done that. I wasn't bald until we had bear lack of sleep. My hair, I started I washed it and it started coming out in my hands when we were losing the sleep, and um. You know, having our, our little girl, she's eight months now. It's it's it hasn't been as tough because we have a uh, you know our our son and we've been through it already. But it also we didn't have a six year old when we had our firstborn, so there's a different different challenge in there. Um, that said, everything circles back to how I take care of myself, and so with a lack of sleep, I have to balance that. You know, I can't just go hard to the paint like I used to. I'm not back squatting tons of weight or any of the things I used to do. Training has changed. But it's like checks principles. You got doctor diet, doctor movement, doctor quiet, meditation and sleep, doctor happiness. Yeah. Is your dream big enough? Yeah. Right. With those principles, as long as I'm covering each of those bases somewhat, I'm going to be good. And training for me has changed, you know, because I, I think I was uh, looking at our bamboo on a bit of medicine and it was reminding me of uh, Bruce Lee's Be Like Water. And I was just seeing the strength in the bamboo. The wind picks up and it, this thing will blow like ninety degrees flat. Wow! It'll lay down on the ground and then spring back up. So it, it has, so it bends but it doesn't break. It bends but doesn't break. Yeah. Ultimate strength, ultimate flexibility to match that. Yeah. And I've I've increased you know for a lot prior to the wolf's arrival we did a lot of yoga. My wife had done yoga teacher training and um, it's a practice we don't get to all the time but a couple of days a week 
yoga. Even right now before this podcast, let me get a few sun salutations in. It's not a full yoga practice, but that opens me up. That changes the neurochemistry. That allows me to feel and think and operate differently. And with that, that's my base foundation. Yeah. Well, you know, if you're listening right now, you know where you're at health-wise. That's, you know, there's a lot of people that are in denial about how they feel. And if you have a pain in the side, I was talking about it earlier, I got the sciatica, right? It's shooting pain. It's coming down from my back sacral. It's going down my hamstring. And I was just like, I was pretty upset about it. I was like, I've never experienced anything like this before. What does this mean? What's happening here? And I had a talk here with our boy Aaron yesterday. And he Aaron opened- Alexander. Aaron Alexander. Did and he, he float you? No. Oh, buddy, we got to get that. What's a floating me? What acro yoga? Oh, okay, put me up, put me up in there. Yeah, his. I mean, love Aaron, uh, great masseuse. But when he floats you, like nothing will get your psoas to open up faster. Oh wow, he's the best. He putting his his feet on my quads. I'm assuming. And you're right into your psoas and your yeah, hip yeah, bones, yeah. digging his toes in and the top of the ribs right underneath <laughs> it. Like he can just move you and open you up in different ways like that while you're going. And that's yeah, th- that's he's necessary. A, he's got the sauce for yeah. sure. And so I I felt the pain and now I'm looking at that pain. And I'm just like, okay, thank you, body. You know, thank you. You're communicating with me. Something's going on. And in spo- as opposed to being resistant to it, and feeling bad about it and creating more contraction. It's like, okay, this is an opportunity for me to speak more to my body, feel it more and open it up and keep moving as opposed to like, you know, let me snuff it out. I talk about it all the time. We're in a, you know, symptomology world. And that's not just through, with pharmaceutical drugs. I mean, obviously that's running the, the lead, but just emotionally, right? We don't want to feel pain. We want to block it out. And I think it's a, a paradigm of some dark agenda mixed with consumerism, mixed with corporatocracy, mixed with the human condition. A lack of elders as well. Lack of elders, yeah. exactly. Which is why I, I feel so close to my Persian connections and my family and stuff like that where... They didn't want to hide things. They wanted to talk about things. They wanted to bring them up and experience them. I remember that as a child. It was very open in that way. And there's a lot of cultures that have lost that. And, you know, this, I don't know, is this a culture here in America? I mean, I don't know what this culture is, but it's removing us from our essence and from where we come from. And I, you always use the quote, we've forgotten what we've forgotten. Right. And that's so poignant to everything that you and I are talking about today is that we don't know where we come from anymore. If you don't know where you come from, you don't know where you're going. If you don't know where you're going, you're all over the place. You're unconscious. You're making unconscious decisions and you're not given a base to start rooting your body in and start really exposing things that are going to make your life better. And then that what we're here to do, have a good fucking time, enjoy each other, break bread and learn and pass that on. What else is the purpose here? Yeah, that's it, brother. Learn, teach, <laughs> teach, learn. Don't right? about that in the raw contact. You know? Yeah. I think I think it comes to a point where, you know, and, and, and chicken or the egg, right? You can use the physical body or use, you know, ayahuasca taught me to do meditation and yoga. Yep. And it repeated that lesson without any new downloads until I actually started the practice. Oh, amazing. You know, I was like, no, yeah. no, no, you don't get to go. <laughs> There's no graduation here until you actually start implementing it. You just knew, she just showed you and then it was locked in from that point on? Three three ceremonies in a row that were a month apart and I kept asking the same question. I'd done it a couple times here and there. didn't really know what I was doing. Tried binaural beats, those kind of things. And then the third one was like, oh, I need to take a break. I haven't implemented this. 
right? Very stern, Yeah, you know? Yeah, and, oh, yeah. and from that was able to start those practices and not, it wasn't like I was being graded on it. You know, it's not like ayahuasca is hanging out in the, in the astral judging me saying like, well, he got three days in this week. That's not good enough. No, no, no. no. Or his That's practice. That's works. Yeah. yeah, yeah not yeah. at all. Right. So I could suck at yoga. And if I did that, that was enough. Okay. I could suck at meditation, but if I showed up and got quiet, that was enough. Yeah. And thankfully those, you know, with, with anything, if I actually care, I'll want to learn more. And I think part of part of the issue is whether we're numbing or chasing uh, ecstatic moments or chasing peak experiences, we're avoiding the thing that needs to get done. And we just handle what's responsibility. I got to pay the bills. I got to change the diaper. I got to be here at this meeting. I got to yeah. do these things. But we leave ourselves out of it. And we have to fundamentally understand that I cannot serve another if I don't serve myself first. And if I can take care of that, my cup is overflowing into everything I do. Absolutely. To my, work, to my family, to my friends. So you're meeting people with your full cup. Yeah. As absolutely. opposed to that like quarter empty where you have to suck from them. Right? Absolutely. And so that's that vampiric energy and that, and, and most people aren't, don't know they're operating as vampires. And what's, what is sustainable, yeah. right? Like we talk about that with the earth, but it all circles back to the inner earth. Mm -hmm. What is sustainable in me? I'm only going to be a sustainable system if I'm taking care of myself through the food, through the sunlight, through the water, through the sleep, through the movement practices. If I have covered all those bases, then I can start to think outside of myself. Then I can start to work in ways that actually change what's around me. Boom. That's exactly, that's it right there. That's the ether of it all. I get to ask, um, you know, loads and loads of questions about symbiotica, for example. Sherving, what should I be taking? What formula should I be taking? Should I be taking this form of magnesium? What about this form of colloidal? What about this form of this? Bop, 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 bop. And at the root of it, I always said, okay, are your fundamentals there? Well, what are, what are my fundamentals? Well, are you breathing every day? Are you breathing through your nose? Are you getting out into the sun on the early rise, right? Are you drinking clean water? Are you bathing in clean water? Do your feet touch the soil? Are you sitting and bathing in electromagnetic frequencies all day long? Are you staring at the TV? You know, all of these fundamentals, we got to go back to the basics. You know, we got to go back to the raw basics. And I, I know that that is being said out there. It's starting to happen. There's movement. There's people talking about grounding. There's people talking about, you know, our pineal gland and photo, uh, you know, biomodulation and the effects of light energy and how that's food to the mitochondria and all those things. This stuff needs to be out there and it needs to be taught in classes. And I think it's incredible that you right now are in a situation where you are homeschooling your kids. In a way, yeah. There's a okay. homeschool co-op. Okay. Yeah. And my wife was homeschooled up until high school. We've considered actually homeschooling bear where he's home full time. I think the age gap right now with a eight month old is going to be difficult with that. And he loves the school he's in. You know, I told you Mickey Willis's kids are there. Del Bigtree's kids are there. They're in school in Texas without masks. They haven't had a day of online education, which I'm sorry for the masses. Thank God. I'm sorry for the masses listening to this. That's not the way. Yeah, that's, that's not the, the way. Yeah. And um, so are they influencing the curriculum a little bit? It's a, it's a Waldorf curriculum. You okay. know, so, so we, we, a lot of the kids were in Waldorf previously and left just because the CDC guidelines not wanting to do, you know, you got to sign a piece of paper that says you will severely limit any screen activity, no iPads, the occasional movie, you know, occasional, it's not a weekly thing. It's not a bi-weekly thing or, you know, it's, it's, it's on occasion. Special I need treat. to see that. And, and to go from signing that piece of paper to now your full-time education is going to be online. 
what planet are we living in? <sighs> you know, like this what is- What plane are we living on? Yeah, yeah go ahead. Yeah, go so I mean, that that we are very fortunate. I know most people don't have access to that. And, you know, I've had some great conversations. We had Ben Pakulski on the podcast, who does homeschool. His kids are done in three hours. Yeah, He's taking them because to it's so Muay Thai, full force. Archery, and they they pay attention. They learn at a much faster pace, and they're learning the things that actually matter. I mean, I've, I've talked about that with with Bear on Road Trips, you know, uh, about the different things he's going to learn because we we're listening to all the Harry Potters right now, and they're awesome, you know. And he wants to know, like, I want to go to Hogwarts, and I'm like, well, Hogwarts isn't in England; it's in the Amazon. <laughs> right <laughs> on. And I'm going to take you to potions yeah. class, right? Yeah. Um. So all that it does exist. It just exists a little differently than in the story. Yeah. And, you know, history and things like that, like Dan Carlin's hardcore history, like listening to that on a road trip as opposed to, you know, what the winners tell us about what happened. I remember I remember when I was 19, they had a, a Columbus Day was changed to Indigenous Peoples Day. And I got a real world lesson at the community college I was at at 19 from Indigenous Peoples about who Christopher Columbus was. And I'm like, what? Complete happened? reset. Yeah, Complete reset. What? Yep. What? This dude celebrated? Like, yeah. like it was crazy. Yeah. And uh, you know, and that that can be taken far, right? Farther than we need to. Like sure. this whole shit with Dr. Seuss. Like, yep. you know, you get into cancel culture that never has a fucking end to it. Um, it's it's I grew up next to Dr. Seuss, by the way. He did lived, you? Yeah, he lived right above me in La Jolla. Wow. Yeah, yeah. His house was the most incredible house ever. It was it suspended like bus in the middle of a trees it was trippy i just wow. had to throw that in i there. bet yeah 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 but, awesome. I, but i'm with you on this yeah this is it's how do we get here i mean it's it's just it's leading us into the depths of darkness you know i have to say it you know it's just a real tyrannical perspective and it's getting into the generations and now we have generations of adults that aren't even adults you know they were they never practiced the the faculties of growing right they're still stuck in their child mentality and have never actually developed and that's being passed on, passed on. I love what you're doing in terms of the homeschooling. This is a passion of mine as, you know, being a teacher of many different subjects. My ultimate goal is to be a teacher at a homeschool situation and be around kids and, and give them the perspective. That's the whole Waldorf thing, right? That was a Steiner perspective is that if we can offer and learn from anyone, no matter what their traits are, it's going to bring so much power to ourselves as opposed to robbing that moment. You know, I was, I was doing that on a live the other night talking about the... The, the beauty of seeing through people as opposed to just seeing them for what you think they are, you know, right on the surface. And with Waldorf education, it's also let the child have their own experience. You know, do not indoctrinate them. Do not give them this curriculum and this program and don't square it up because that's fracturing the child's ability to develop synapses while they're in theta brain, which is the imaginary, you know, realm. And so why would we, why would we hold that down when that is the time for them to proliferate and, and expand their consciousness and become human? And it's, it's, for me, it's, you know, it's a travesty. I'd have to, I have to say that, you know, I don't want to like lock myself in the burden, but it's a travesty to, to feel into what's happening with children today in terms of education. It Absolutely. really is. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, I think when I think of the world problems, one of the, one of the greatest books that I read last year was The Madness of Crowds by Douglas Murray. Wow. Fantastic. Uh, he's a gay conservative from the UK. He reads his own book on Audible. Highly recommend it to people. But, you know, on the education piece, and he touches a lot on the kids in that book, but and it touches a lot on the kids. That's a, that was a little <laughs> a bad <creepy>. sentence. <laughs> but he... 
he he has the kids in mind and what's happening right now. There, there's a lot that's going on behind the scenes, but even just looking at it on the surface of what we're discussing from an education standpoint is we are fitting cogs in the wheel. That's what education has become. Yeah, we're not we're not teaching kids how to think. We're teaching them what to think. Yeah. We're teaching them how to regurgitate, right? And if we look out on all these things, I've talked. People go through my podcast. They're going to hear a lot of the unveiling of the shit that's happening right now from Mickey Willis, Del Bigtree, a lot of these people, JP Sears. Um, you know, the conversation we had driving here was it's it's we've we've really taken a deep dive into what is broken. Yeah. You know, we have health, we have education, finance, um, relationships. What else? Um, your purpose, purpose, <laughs> the, right. the earth itself. Yep. Right. Our, Our relationship to everything. Yeah. So where, with, where we are with those, with those things that we see that are broken, that need revamping. Uh, Brett Weinstein talked about this on Rogan's or maybe it was him or maybe it was Douglas Murray. It doesn't matter, but what happens in a revolution? There's a winner. There's a loser who inherits the rubble. That's the winner. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So if we see something that's broken, we can either fix it. And that's what the beautiful thing about technology or systems that come along that are better are. We can replace the thing with something better. In the meantime, there's no rubble to clean up. Right. So this is where we take the great minds of the world and we band together and we reimagine what we're going to do going forward to co-create the very thing that we wish and replace the systems by reconnecting first and foremost to our health and our connection to nature. And if we can establish that, then we'll think clearly. We won't be in a fear state. We won't be in the sympathetic fight or flight. We won't be taking, uh, you know, <laughs> all these draconian measures at face value and just saying, oh, yeah, you know, it'll go back to normal. I'll just wear my mask for now. Yeah. Everything's going to be fine. Yeah. You know, we'll have, the, I'll, I'll just get my three inoculations each year. I'll be good. Yeah. I'll get this global passport. Then I can fly overseas again. Yeah. Just go with the system. Yeah. yeah. I love what you said right there the regurgitation process that we've become a regurgitated species. This is a good segue because we're we're getting towards the end of this and we can do this um, probably like a hundred more times, right? Cause in, is, yeah. Cause this is just uh, scratching the surface. I think a good way to exit out of this is to talk a little bit about five MEO, five methoxy hydroxy dimethyl tryptamine, which comes from the Bufo alvarius toad, which is hibernating in the Sonoran Desert from Southern Arizona down into Mexico. That hibernates 11 months out of the year, uh, you know, 49 weeks, comes out during the monsoons, plays around, lays its eggs, and it secretes a venom. And that's in there is a form of DMT, dimethyltryptamine with other compounds as well, bufotane and a few other compounds that we still don't even know what they are. And someone figured out that if you freebase this, it takes you into God mode, right? Full dissolving. So I've been working with this medicine for a while now. It's been part of my unraveling and my remembering. Um, it's not for the faint of heart. Um, it's certainly, in my estimation, the strongest medicine on this earth in terms of its effect. You had an interesting experience with it. Why don't you walk us through it? Yeah. So I'd had about 15 experiences with the Sonoran Desert Toad, all of which um, felt, you know, like a description of heaven, dissolving into a star, uh, unconditional love vibrating through every cell of my body. 
is, is the one sentence I would give it. And in this last experience that I had towards the end of last year, I had two combo experiences leading up to it, which is a poisonous frog that helps you purge, helps boost the immune system, helps clean you out physically and energetically. So it was a way to prep going into the ceremony. And the dose I had was an initiation dose. My intention for that was to alchemize darkness to step into the light. You know, I was reminded of Caroline Mace's work when she talks about Jesus spending 40 days in the desert, the Buddha spending 40 days under the Bodhi tree, all to alchemize the darkness and come back and step into the beings that they would become. To sit into that pain, sit into that threshold to the edge so you know what that is and you know what the opposite is. Yeah. Okay. And and really, you know, I think, I don't know who's, who's brought this up, many people probably, but Eve eating, you know, the apple from the, from the tree and the knowledge of good and evil was what gave us free will. Yeah. That was, it was the knowledge of those things in their fullness that allowed us to choose fully what we wanted to be rather than wandering aimlessly through life, you know, brushing up against people, creating karma here and there. And then, you know, oh, life is good. Life is bad. Life is good. Life is bad. Oscillating. Right. Right. Um, The blindfold existence. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Sleepwalking. Yep. And so with that awareness, that's, that was, that was the goal. And to this day, hardest experience of my life by far. Mm. Um, I went into a, an infinite loop that basically held, you know, when, you, when you're in that space, time doesn't exist. So it just repeated over and over again. And it felt like I was going to remain there for infinity. Like, yeah. okay, you fucked up now. Here you go forever. Yeah. And uh, that there's progressed. No, there's no up. There's no down. <laughs> yeah. There's no left. There's no right. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it unfolded in, in, you know, because of wrapping this podcast, you know, I'll, I'll let people go to my solo cast where I dive in a little bit deeper on the, the, the fullness of that experience. But the long and the short of it is that lasted an hour. I came out, felt grounded, ate some food, made it home and reactivation started the, to this, to my knowledge is the only medicine that can create reactivations. Uh, Jamie wheel calls it night school, right? Now, prior to this experience, you know, I'm told about this. It's like, oh, sign me up. God's infinite love. Yeah. A thousand hits of MDMA. I'm sold. Yeah. yeah take me there every yeah. night in bed. Cool. After this experience, I make it home sober as a cucumber, kiss my wife goodnight, go to bed, and it starts to kick in. And somewhere between right before sleep, right after sleep, I have full fractals like I'm holding my first hit of bufo in my body and i'm like no 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 jerk myself out of bed heart pumping racing and i can't go to sleep i didn't sleep for two or three days finally i surrender to the experience and i go back in and it's as psychedelic as the medicine experience for hours now not a one-hour trip multi-hour trip into the darkness which unfolded layers and layers and layers of new things that i feared new hells new new experiences of darkness that lasted 17 days 17 days of looping 17 days of anytime I'd surrender, I was in a full-blown experience of darkness. Wow. Anytime I didn't surrender, you know, a lot of times I'd surrender and from nine to one, I'd sleep in a four-hour journey. I'd wake up at one and not be able to go back to sleep. Wow. And how was everybody around you dealing with this? Oh man, mama, uh, Tosh had to carry the team. She carried the squad on her back and she's the one that told me like, you've got to call Paul check. Yeah. You got to call him. And uh, the reason I did that solo I wish you called was, me. I know, brother. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, it, he, he really did break it down. He said, you got to close the ceremony, you know? And so we did a closing ceremony. 
uh, lot of sage, hot bath, 12 drops of frankincense. And I spoke everything that I had learned into existence. I grounded it through speaking it. This is what I've learned. This is what I plan to do with that knowledge. And I humbly So you put asked, it to use. So you, yeah. you put it to use. So there's an action behind it. So it's not some, you know, proverbial like cycle that's just circling over your head. Which it was. Yeah. And yeah. It, was cir- it was starting to blend the, 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 the dream to the waking dream. Yeah. Right. So these thoughts would ruminate. And well, you what know, is I'm not, real? I'm not going right? to dive into this here, but, yeah. but but the Kabbalion I brought with me, if we had the time, I think it's one of the most important books I've ever read because it not only capitulates exactly what I went through, you know, in in the experience of of walking the the mental labyrinth from dead end to dead end, like a hamster on the wheel, thinking I'm getting somewhere, but still locked in my own prison of my own mental, yeah. you know, capacity. Like that's where I was for two and a half weeks. And coming out of that, thankfully, you know, Paul had me finish with humbly asking God to bridge the gap to the high self or the soul to then bridge the gap to the small self in a way Kyle Kingsbury would understand it in my dreams with that prayer. That night was Christmas Eve. I slept. I had the most psychedelic dreams ever. No fear. And I understood them viscerally. Mm. I understood what the message was. And, um, you know, the final dream that I had, I saw my wife, but not as my wife. I saw her as the divine mother. And I looked at her and I recognized her and I asked her, what do I do? And she said, I created the divine father. That is the matrix. And you are the son. And I said, so what do I do? And she said, be a man. And I said, I don't know what that means. She said, play the game. Play the game that I created for you. And that may not resonate with people, but if I'm, if I'm stuck in a mental loop of why am I here? Why am I here? Why am I here? Trying to sort out what God is, what the infinite, what the all is, what, what existence means. That's the the labyrinth. Yeah, that's the labyrinth. Right. And as it turns out, I don't need to play in that space. And if I if I keep my mental pattern stuck there, that will remain. That's the mind of an insane person. Yeah. And it renders me useless here in the 3D. So the way out of that is going back to grounding. It's paying attention to what's right in front of me. And this book really did alchemize that. And it's really about alchemy. You know. So it, it it allowed me to come out of that fullness. And one of the beautiful things is that when you lose your mind and you regain it, like any of life's challenges are fucking comical right now. Like yeah. it, it turned the volume down of what I thought was an issue. Yeah. You know, any of it, any of it, the, the, the powers that be, the, the, all of it, <laughs> all of it. To- right? Toad has an interesting perspective to put things in perspective. Yeah. Right? Things that you, we, we put on, like, this is the most important thing. This is everything we have, you know, it's like, uh, gives a shit let's dissolve that yeah totally <laughs> and it's Toad- totally totally <laughs> <laughs> yeah and, and 15 experiences prior dissolved in the most gentle graceful and beautiful way in the light and this one because i had called it in a totally different experience well thank god you know uh what medicine absolutely yeah. and brother. you're still and you're still integrating with it yeah and absolutely forever integrate with it yeah so i love how you put that and you know again this is Kyle's perspective. This was his experience. You know, this is part of his karma. This is the way his body took on that uh, entheogen, right? And maybe that's something that is coming from a past life. Maybe it's trauma from when he was three. Who knows? Everybody has a different evolution. So there's no cookie cutter. There's no one pill fits all, one size fits all, one pill for everything. It's all a variety and it's all dynamic. That's what I love about this. You and I can keep talking forever. We should probably do this again and continue to do this again. And I think, you know, the core of our conversations 
I keep seeing it as meeting at a pinnacle of solutions, solutions, solutions. We know what's going on out there. It's all out there. It's everything's front and center now. I remember 20 years ago when I was a kid, uh, all of these things I was learning about with David Icke and my cousin Wolf and all that stuff. We knew about the banking system. We knew about this. We knew about that. All the cover-ups and this and stuff. But this, all this stuff's out now. And it's like, okay, well, what do we do about it? We're in a position to do something about it. I really look forward to joining forces with you intrinsically and creating those roadmaps for a lot of people. So if you're listening to this, stay tuned on what Kyle's doing. Stay tuned on what I'm doing. We're going to be working together, developing so many connection points and we're all in. He's all in. He's, you know, this is a, this is literally a fighter for us on all levels. And, uh, I'm excited and honored, <laughs> honored brother. Yeah. Absolutely. Any last things? Am I, am I as pretty in person? You look better than ever. <laughs> better than advertised. Yeah, absolutely. I had to throw that in there. You got If you got show notes, uh, I'll send you the link. The Gabalion's free. It's yep. on the public domain. Yep. Post that for people. I just I would chunk that, you know, one chapter's 12 to 20 minutes at night in bed before I fell asleep. And I just, res, you know, let that ruminate and resonate with. And This is the Hermetic Code. It's the Hermetic Code. Hermes Trismegistus. Mm -hmm. Yeah, understanding what source alchemy is. So alchemy not only is turning lead into gold, it's at the root of it, it's our evolution as a species and our conscious state. How can we take energies and transmutate them to perfection? And perfection is what we see in our eyes as our only truth. And that's, a, that's how I felt when I first read this book and the way I perceive everything, you know, ease and grace. Yeah, brother. Big love, man. Big Thanks love. for coming on, man. Let's keep it going. Hell yeah. All in. All in, brother. All right. Big love, everyone. Gratitude family for tuning in today and deep reverence to you all for dedicating your time to seeking knowledge and truth. This is what it's all about. You can find more of my podcasts on Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, and Google Podcasts. You can also find this on my website at wakethefakeup.com. Life is all about momentum. Please leave a review so I can hear your experiences and share with your friends, family, and anyone who needs to hear this message. This is a revolution of consciousness. This is just the beginning. I am all in. I'll be back next week for another epic conversation. Stay tuned, family. Big love.